Hey, it's Andy from Talking to Teens. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five-star review. Reviews on Apple and Spotify help other parents find the show, and that helps us keep the lights on. Thanks for being a listener, and here's the show. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle. We are here with Bill Bose. He is the author of 20 books, including a number of books on parenting. We are so excited to talk to Bill about his strategies for dealing with and shaping teenagers. This guy has been doing this forever. He's all over the place. He's the founder of MindRev Labs. He's created programs that are taught in high schools to teach life lessons to teachers and teenagers and to their parents, to their families. He has books on just about every topic imaginable and especially what to do about troublesome teenage boys. Bill, thank you so much for making the time to come on our show today. Absolutely. It's a pleasure, Andy. It's great to be here with you, man. I'm really interested in just like where this kind of all began because it says in here that you started as a psychotherapist for a while. So did these books come out of your background as a psychotherapist and and practicing that or is it life experience or what? Here's what happened. I always wanted to write books. Sure. And I was a therapist and but I always thought that I wanted to be a writer, but I couldn't get publishers interested. I, I wanted to do life success kind of stuff and motivational books and stuff like that. But yeah. publishers this is back in the late eighties, early nineties, and nobody was interested in any of that stuff at the time. And mm-hmm. so a real good friend of mine was a professional writer and he said, you know, he, he said, Billy, he said, what do you know the most about in the world? What do you know the very most about? And I, you know, Andy, I said, you know, I know a lot about being a boy. <laughs> I mean, I feel like an overgrown boy, and um, I had a great childhood, and and um, a lot of you know ups and downs like everybody does. He says, well, "Why don't you write a book about boys?" And it was kind of a strange thing at first because I thought, "Well, that's an interesting thought." So I went out and looked. At that time, Andy, nobody had ever written a book about raising boys, just boys. Wow. So I pitched the book in the worst possible way. I just started sending out query letters to publishers. <laughs> A publisher jumped up and said, hey, that's a great idea. Let's do it. And so I did that. I followed it up with a book on girls and the one on teenage boys. Then, you know, I did some a couple of things and we got to the greatness topics. And before you know it, I'm a writer. Yeah. That's where it all came from. And in addition to that, Andy, I had kids, of course. I had a boy and a daughter. And so I could, like, watch this stuff happen right before my eyes them grow sure. up. So that's re- that that was where it all came from, Andy. It was really from uh, just a lot of real life stuff and you know, I realized at that point that the parents did, really didn't want to know a lot about, you know, facts and figures and studies and stuff. They wanted just some real world advice about how to do stuff. So that was the that that was the beginning of it all. Ah, okay, but so uh, an expert on boys but not necessarily on girls. So how <laughs> then did you how did you make the jump? Well, actually what I did is my doctoral work was um, 
in educational psychology. So I was, mm. I knew, I, you know, I knew a lot about boy and girl developments, so, so to speak. So that makes sense. That yeah. was all kind of natural. And then the teenager thing. And that, of course, they wanted me to do a book on teenage girls. And I said, I have no clue about teenagers. <laughs> I'm not going to touch that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even touch that. <laughs> but so, so that's kind of how that happened. But um, th- then, of course, I ended up getting back to where I began in the beginning with, uh, writing motivational, more motivationally oriented books. And uh, mm. so that was good. But still, I have now, of course, all the kids are grown up and we have grandkids now and, and a bunch of them. And they're all coming up through. So it's, it's so funny to see this stuff happen generation after generation. Things don't really change. Yeah. I mean, everything, you know, society changes and was the, you know, the demands on them, but the chassis is still the same. And uh, that's really kind of the good news because then you can come up with some rules that kind of work, you know, for everybody. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, some things are timeless, you know, and uh, yep. you yep. see some things that just keep getting repeated over and over and over again by all the wise people yeah. in history. And you kind of tell yourself, you know, there might be something here. Uh, so, okay, you make it sound so easy. You're like, oh, hey, I just... You know, I just kind of knew about boys, so I just, you know, I just, hey, write, write a book about that. No problem. But, like, I mean, I've, I've read this Teenage Boys book, and this is not just, like, oh, common sense, like, oh, hey, I just know a lot about boys stuff. I mean, this is, like, deep. Uh, you really, like, thought this through, and there's, like, methods and all kinds of, like, cool tactics in here. And I, I, I'm yeah. curious where some of this stuff came from. Like, so there's this idea in here that I really liked where there's these five pain-pleasure combinations that dominate young men, pain in the present, yeah. pain in the future, pleasure in the present, pleasure in the future, and curiosity now. Is this, yeah. like, based on research, or you just kind of you're just kind of philosophizing here what? You know, it, it's a, that's a really good question, Andy. Let's put it this way. Most of the stuff that's in that book just came out of my observations in real life. Then I went back and I said, does this square up with what they're doing research-wise and, you know, where some of the real leading thinkers in this area of, you know, teenage development? And then it turns out it all squared up because it all kind of makes sense. And, you know, the thing that I enjoyed about writing that book is it gave me a chance for whatever reason, Andy, I don't understand this, but I've always found teenagers to be very easy to deal with. And what I discovered was, it's not that teenagers are easy, it's just that my approach to them was these are young, inexperienced adults that are just like me. They just don't have as much experience. So in their lack of experience, they rebel, you know, they act out, they fight, they do, you, you know, they drag their feet, they procrastinate just like me. Right. And as soon as I got it through my head that these kids are really just like me, they just don't have as much experience to know what works and what doesn't. Suddenly working with them became real easy. It's ah. like, look, I know you want to, you know, I know you want to keep banging on this, but, uh, you can bang on this all day. It's not going to work. Right. Or, you know, if I was in your shoes, I understand I was, you know, where you are at, at and even though it was a long time ago, it's like you're really, you know, what you're trying to solve here is not that complicated. It really isn't. And so, so when I took that approach, Andy, that was not really from a research base. It was much more from a perspective of looking at kids and saying, what's working here? What's not working? Sure. What yeah. works? What doesn't work? And what always works for these kids is just to shut up and listen most of the time. <laughs> um, you know, if they're doing, you know, dumb things instead of saying, you know, you're such an idiot saying, you know, I did that too. And this is what I found out. And uh, you may find that this works a little bit better over here. 
And so just approach mm-hmm. them with much more of an adult attitude. And, and so honestly, Andy, it's kind of a combination of both observation and kind of a background. You know, the psychology background didn't hurt at all. Uh, but the sure. most important thing was kind of a fearlessness and an openness with them that, look, we're we're not that different. You think we are. But the only reason you think we're different is because you're just a young you're young and I'm not, <laughs> you know? Okay, but you do have one uh, thing in here about kind of purposely, you know, saying something different or surprising, a jaw dropper. Okay, so yeah. I love that. Can you tell me where that came from and how you do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think it came from actually probably from my own personal experience. At the time that I wrote the Teenage Boys book, I had Teenage Boys. and. Right. My boys and my boys' friends were always fascinated with me because I would just tell them the truth about stuff. You know, I, 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 I wasn't going out of my way to like shock them, but it's like, look, guys, you know, I can tell you that I'm all, you know, I'm all that, you know, and then I tell them some story about trying to meet, meet a girl and how I, you know, tripped over myself and, you know, said stupid stuff. And, and it's like suddenly I was real to these guys. I wasn't like Jake or Zach's dad. That was Bill that you could talk to and you could share stuff. And and when I found that when I made myself vulnerable to these guys, instead of beating on my chest and saying, hey, look, you meatheads, you know, when I approached them like, look, this is what happened to me, usually they found some of those stories to be jaw, jaw-dropping. But, you know, one of the things that, that, that that's most amazing uh. to me, Andy, is I think that these kids, kids today are not used to having adults just be really honest with them and reveal their own weaknesses and their mistakes. Uh, and when you do that, boy, it really catches their attention because most parents come off as I know everything and you don't, and I'm here to tell you what to do. Instead of saying, you know what, like as an adult, what were the turning point stories? Where What happened in your life that was so bad or so sudden or so jarring that it changed the way you looked at the world? And when you share those turning point stories with kids, they st- they listen, man. They listen carefully. Because that's kind of the world they're living in. I mean, every day is a turning point for a lot of them, you know? I think there's like a moment with a teenager where they look at you like you actually exist all of a sudden. Like, yeah, you, after yeah. you say after you say something, right? Like, it's like kind of like I think they just are so used to dealing with adults that just kind of treat them in this like superficial way. And like they couldn't possibly have anything, you know, to contribute that's valuable or something. Yeah. That like when you yeah. just like when you just for a second just like say something real to them or just kind of like say something like, oh, man, like I don't know, like about like. Yeah. about what's happening rather than just like the what you're supposed to say i find that they just like yeah. immediately like their whole demeanor towards you changes and they realize absolutely. like oh this is a person i can talk to like oh I, I get it you know absolutely oh andy that you know i in, in fact you're you're making a flood of mem- memories come back to me. <laughs> because i'd ask these kids i'd say well you know what do you what do you wish someone would ask you that they never ask you or I love that. Like, is is anything out there make you afraid? Like, do you ever wake up in the middle of the night just terrified that something's going to happen? What is it? I, you know, and I'd say, you know, I woke up at four o'clock in the morning the other day and I I couldn't go back to sleep because I was afraid that, you know, I was going to lose my business and go broke. Yeah, totally. Like that, that's exactly what you said, Andy. It's just, it's real. It's now. It's unexpected. It's like, wait, what? Dad worries about things and like has vulnerabilities. Yeah. And, wait, huh? Like, well, then I, I, I guess I could talk to him about my problems too. Then, oh, yeah, right? like, sure, <laughs> sure, absolutely. And it, and it can be, it can be literally anything. And you know, uh, to be very candid with you, Andy, when you start having kids, you get into this. My as a parent, you get into this mindset that you can't show your weaknesses and you can't 
bare your soul to any to these young people because you'll wreck them or they'll get you know whatever. Shoot, man, it's the truth that they look that they're dying to find out because they're trying to figure it out and. They can't figure it out with an adult that's just telling them what to do all the time. They can figure it out with an adult that'll share their what's they're going through and how they're dealing with it. And you know, maybe that's the reason. I, I still have a, I just have a great relationship with my kids. And I think I honestly, this is not research, Andy. This is just my observation. <laughs> sure. I think it's because we've we've always just been able to talk just really straight and honest and unvarnished. Sometimes, sometimes it's pretty crude too. But hey, that's okay too. Okay, so I got to ask you about this discipline technique that you kind of have in here that's I called, I don't know, it's called like the you'll be sorry system. You, when your <laughs> teenager is doing something that you are, are not agreeing with, you recommend saying something along the lines of you'll wish you hadn't done that or, oh, mm-hmm. well, you wish you had if, they, if it's something that they were supposed to do. Okay, so then how do you follow up on that? Well, that came from a guy, and I can't think of his name now, but he was a pretty famous um, – Oh shoot! I'll think of his name here in a minute, but yeah, sure. he was a. Um, I got that technique from him, and I used it, and it works like a charm. Uh, Rosemond is his name. Anyway, Rosemond. at the time, he was considered to be kind of a radical guy because it was like it was back in in when the self esteem movement was really getting going, and the idea was okay. to be nice to your kids at all costs because you damaged their self esteem if you weren't nice to them all the time, and tell tell them how great they were and all that kind of stuff. Give them a trophy, right? Right. Exactly. And this, and his approach I thought was brilliant. It was simply based on the idea that you really control a lot more as a parent than you control a lot more than you think you do. You pay for everything. Ah. You make everything happen. You just, you know, everything, actually you own everything. And, and the, the technique is very simple that you don't pull your hair out and scream if your kids don't comply with what you're asking them to do. You simply say, you can do that if you want to, but you're probably going to be sorry at some point. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and, and I'll tell you, by the way, when I first wrote about this stuff, I took a lot of heat from people. They're saying, well, it's so mean. Well, you know, it's not mean. It's just real. It's real life. So I'd say, you know, I asked my son, you know, Jake, to clean up the garage. And he'd say, no, I haven't got time, Dad. And I'll say, well, you know, you can skip it if you want to, but you're probably going to wish you had. <laughs> then, and, 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 and not getting mad. Not, I mean, it's no threat or anything. So it's like, look, you're probably going to be sad. So. Later on that night, he wants to borrow the car. And I said, you'd reply with, you know, when I told you you'd be sad, you didn't clean the garage. <laughs> well, the sadness is probably going to settle on you right now. No, you can't have the car. <laughs> and, and even parents are going to hear this. They're probably going to say, geez, that's, that's terrible. How could you do that to your kid? Well, it's actually really easy because it's important that your kids learn to understand, first of all, to value what they have yeah. and what you've provided for them. I mean, to really value that and understand it's just not free. The stuff that, you know, um, having a car to drive around just doesn't fall out of the sky. Someone had to earn it. And, and that they are a participant. This is a team sport, this whole teenage parenting thing. It's a, it's a game we play together. You help me, I help you. Um, you know, and yeah. it was, it's just a real simple thing. And what I've discovered, Andy, real fast is that you don't have to do that very many times, and they believe you. You yep. become believable. Yeah, oh, man. Three times is probably oh. in a, in, within a course of a month. They'll get it instantly. Like, wow. They'll Con- get it instantly. so quickly. It can happen. And then when you ask them to do stuff, you say, look, I need you to clean your room. And they say, no, I can't do it. I haven't got time. And say, well, you might be – when the, the sorry the S comes out of your word, they just – 
they jump and take 30 okay, seconds to clean their room. <laughs> yeah, right. I got you. I'll do it. So it, it, it's just, it's, it's not mean. And you don't scream it at them. You just say, well, okay. Uh, and you know what? It leads to a lot lower blood pressure in terms of disciplining your kids. And it, it, it actually just sets the boundary solidly. And by the way, you don't have to do it within, you know, hours of them refusing. You can wait if you want to. Well, that's the beauty of kind of reminding them, like by putting the be sorry trigger in yeah. there. And then you say, remember when I said that? And then it creates a link in their brain between the behavior and the consequence. Yeah. So it's really nice yeah. from a psychological standpoint. Oh, my gosh. I remember my daughter. We, we, My daughter, Jessie, we had to do this with her early in the week. She just said, you know, she refused to do something or just tacitly, you know, passive aggressively didn't do something we asked her to do. We said, look, you can okay. blow this off if you want to, but you're probably going to be sorry. Well, it wasn't until that following week they needed – she needed a lift to meet her girlfriends at the movie or something. And I just harkened back and said, you know, Monday when you said you wouldn't clean your room and I said you'd probably be sorry? And I said, no, I'm not going to take you. I, I, I don't know what you're going to do. You know, I hope you get to the movies. I, I would like for you to go to the mo- movies. Sure, That'd be kind right. of neat. But I'd say, well, maybe they can come and get you because I'm not going to take you to the mo- movies. I'm sorry. She was all dressed up. I remember she was all dressed up. She's ready to roll. And uh, it's like, oh, I know. That's so mean, Bill. You're so mean. How could you be so mean? It's like, look, honey, don't blame me for your problem. This is your problem. How are you going to solve it? And, and, and it went back to this whole thing, Andy. We were always, always with the kids. We always said the first thing we would do when they had a problem, we would say, so what are you going to do about it? Mm. In, instead of running to the rescue, we'd always put it back on them. So what are you going to do about it? They got to the point where they hated hearing that because they wanted us, you know, mom and dad just to fix it. And, right. uh, but you know, we treated them like an adult. You want to be an adult? Okay. Well, fix it. Like yeah. you, you can't, there's no ride to the movies. Wow. That sucks. What are you going to do? <laughs> you know, and it sounds, you know, here, here, here's the thing, Andy. It sounds so mean, but it's just real life. I mean, it's just treating them like the world's going to treat them when they get out there. Oh, yeah. Well, so I like that. And I think that it's really important that the, moment you know when you're enforcing the consequence and saying hey remember when you didn't do the thing that you you know you're not doing it in like a vindictive way and that you know it's not about like getting back at them for not doing it it's like a natural consequence like you're saying that just anybody if you just were mean to them they wouldn't do what you asked them to do yeah it always seemed to me and i think it's the reason my books were popular that this child rearing thing is really pretty simple your job is to emulate life as much as you can. Yeah. Emulate life for them so that when they go out there, they're prepared for what it's going to give them versus going out. And I hate to say this, we got people who live in my neighborhood right here. They've got 28 year old kids living in the basement. Yeah. And it's like, you know, the, the, and, and I've talked to them, of course, at length about it, and they don't see any reason to go. And I don't think it's a millennial thing and all that. I just don't think so. I just think it's the parents are shielding them from real life. That's all. And they get out there and they just get scared and they don't know what to do. I know a lot of young people that when 18 comes, man, it's like you're opening the gates of the Kentucky Derby and they're gone. You know? Yeah, right, right. And there are other people that just hang around and don't want to go. Well, I've got this free report you can offer to your people, Andy. It's, it's called Solving Teenagers. It's a free thing. They can go to my website and download it. But the whole idea here is that people adapt. Teenagers adapt. Old people, everybody's always adapting to whatever life gives them. So if you really want to raise them up good, well, give them something to adapt to. Mm. (laughs) You know, make life so that they need to adapt and step it up. 
and do whatever they're going to do because it's their life, not yours. We rise to meet the challenges that are before us, right? And if there's no challenges before yeah. us, then we never have to rise and we're going to stay. No, uh, no, no. Then you just play Fortnite all day long. Yeah. I mean, that's true. That's what happens. If there's nothing to adapt to, well, you don't adapt to anything. You just, I, mean, I, don't, I, I, I don't know what you do. I guess yeah. goof around, I guess, you know. We're here with Bill Bose talking about his book, Teenage Boys, Shaping the Man Inside. And we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show. You're special. You've got something going on, and there's a lot of adults in your world that want to figure out how they can help you because you got it going on. That's what I would say to them. Ah. And, and, and I would say, you need to learn how to treat people with, uh, you just need to learn how to treat them. Every parent of teenagers that I know, their big driving motivation is to make sure their kids are happy and successful. One of the least effective ways to get them there is to tell them that's what you want from them, <laughs> yeah. is to tell them what they need to do. One time my kid was in high school and we got in a conversation with something. I said, you like, um, I forget what that song was, it was Rage Against the Machine. You remember that band? Oh, yeah. He said, you know them? I said, oh, man, they got some great stuff. Well, I only mm. heard one of their songs and I thought it was, I thought it was terrible, but I didn't <laughs> tell him that. Yeah, right. You know, I said, oh, man, uh, yeah, that's, that's, all, that's a great song. Well, you know, uh, there's some bad language in there. I mean, he was talking to me like I was like his kid. You know? Yeah, right, like, right. Well, well, th- th- thanks for trying to protect me, Jake. I appreciate that. But, you know, and then it's not it's not that I listen to Rage Against the Machine. It's got nothing to do with it. It's It has everything to do with the fact that I was ready to, rather than judge him, participate with him. Yeah, right. You know? You don't have to have your mom run in and yell at your English teacher because she gave you a C. That's your job. Step up and say, Mom, stay home. I'll deal with this. Encourage them to uh, fight their own battles and take some pride in what happens from that. Again, that's something that you build, Andy, and we really focus that. Because pretty soon the kids wouldn't come to us to fix their problems. Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get unlimited access to all the interviews I've conducted. It's completely affordable, and your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.